In front of astonished onlookers, a meteorite plunged from the sky and landed in the A1208 outside Bethnal Green, leaving an enormous smoking crater. Fortunately, the local council immediately leapt into action and spray-painted a yellow circle around it before anyone was hurt. Scientists claim to have discovered a previously unknown tribe just outside Brent Cross. Apparently, they had originally been contacted about 20 years ago, but are still waiting for the GPO to put in a telephone. The house of Richard Milligram, a bachelor from Caldecott, was possessed by a restless spirit who followed him everywhere, tidying up, dusting and cleaning the floors. He called a Catholic priest to the house, and man and poltergeist are now honeymooning in the Torbay area, and are both firm believers that we are not alone. Mr. Morgan, the bank manager will see you now. Uh, thank you. Ah, oh, Mr. Morgan, come on in. How are Elizabeth and the children? Very well, thank you. And the new Austin? Running like a dream. Excellent. Now, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you some security questions. It's a, it's a new procedure the bank have brought in. No problem. Now, the first question, are you ready? Absolutely. Do you have a moustache? No. <laughs> ah, well, I'm sorry, that's, that's not the answer I have on the card. Uh, I shaved it off at the weekend. Uh, I'm sorry, Mr Morgan. Look, I just want to discuss our mortgage. I'm sorry, Mr Morgan. I, I can't do that until I've correctly established your identity. How's the redecorating going, by the way? Oh, not too bad. <laughs> Glad to be rid of that awful green colour in the living room. Oh, yes. I mean, I've always thought it made the room look so much smaller. L let's have a go at the password. Eh? Ah, yes, OK. Um, It's Kellogg's. No. Hey. How about Austin? No. Oh, blast. Can I have a new password, then? Yes, yes. Uh, first, I need your date of birth. 9th of October, 1922. Thanks for the card, by the way. Oh, no problem. And your wife's birthday? Oh, um, oh gosh, um, I forget. Uh, did you get the chocolates I sent? Uh, she did, thanks. Oh, fancy forgetting your wife's birthday. Is the uh, 6th uh... Uh, Of course, 6th of March, 1929. No <laughs> problem. Now... Your new password, it needs to be something you can remember and that no one else will guess. You don't want anyone stealing your identity now, do you? I mean, anyone could just walk in here claiming to be you, couldn't they? Uh, uh, how about Daphne? Would that be OK? Daphne, yes, that's fine. Uh, no need to worry. Lots of chaps go for the woman they lost their virginity to. In 1950, Destination Moon was released in US cinemas detailing an all-American attempt to reach the moon. The film depicted a capitalist victory, with private enterprise succeeding in the face of communist saboteurs within the American government. Less well-known is the British response, showing a moon landing effort being staged in a small Yorkshire village during conservative government cuts. We Are Not Alone proudly presents Blast Off. Men, men, I'm afraid I have some bad news. Terrible news. Terrible, terrible news. The Moon Programme. It's been cancelled. Now, now, I know times are hard. What with this coming hot on the heels of the pit closures and what with rationing and all, and I know that for most of you, the Festival of Britain was something that happened to other people. Now, we're all rocket builders, all of us in this room, and rocket building's what we know how to do. Now the government's closed down our space programme, so I have a proposal for you. Why don't we finish building the rocket ourselves? Are you mad, Bans? No, I'm not. We've got to have something left to fight for. Bans, don't get me wrong. Look, I love rocket. We all do. 
But there's more important things in life than getting to the moon. Not in my life, Cargraves. Not in mine. Barnes, that rocket's never had a successful firing yet. I know, Cargraves. Doesn't that make you wonder? We've got some of the finest minds in Yorkshire here on Rocket Programme. You were Yorkshire's premier scientist, and yet every time a representative from government comes to view a launch, there's a failure. Doesn't that strike you as odd? Are you suggesting that government have sabotaged our attempts? Aye, and it wouldn't have mattered whether the last rocket firing were cost-effective or not, this programme would still have been closed down. Mr Barnes! Mr Barnes! Emily Cargraves, you've got a nerve coming in here. I'm sorry, Mr Barnes. I never thought the council would use my thesis on the upward use of mining equipment to escape the Earth's gravity as an excuse to close you down. You go off to a southern university and you become a turncoat, Emily. If you weren't Cargrave's daughter, we'd neither of us give you the time of day. Mr Barnes, you have to listen to me. I've just come from a council meeting. They're trying to pass a new law to make it illegal to launch a rocket. What? It's the truth. It'll come into force at the end of the month. They can't do that. It's not over yet. It's only the 15th. We've still got two weeks to get this rocket working, Barnes. Welcome to this week's episode of World of the Future, where we look 50 years into the future and pretend that the world isn't a seething pit of vice and corruption for the sake of the little ones. And here's Nancy, who will be our companion for our trip into the future. This week, we're going to take a look inside the zoo of the future. First, we have to make our way through the high-security barriers. Watch as the gates go up. And down. Oh dear, Nancy. Did it hit you on the head? Never mind. That nice man with the gun seems to be showing an interest. I expect he'll help you. The first thing to know about the zoo of the future is that there aren't any animals. This is because in the future, they suddenly realised that keeping wild animals in enclosed spaces isn't very nice. Now why didn't we think of that earlier? Unfortunately, this means that going to zoos is incredibly unpopular and you have to pay a lot of money to get in. We also had to come all the way to America, didn't we, Nancy? Pay the nice man with the gun, Nancy. There's a good girl. Now, let's go to the first exhibit, shall we? It looks just like an empty room, doesn't it? But look, there's the animal keeper. And he wouldn't be in there if it was empty, would he? See how all the animal keepers wear orange jumpsuits so that the animals can see them clearly? I expect this animal is very good at camouflage. In the next room, there are men with guns, helping one of the zookeepers have a drink by plunging his head into that tank of water. That's nice of them, isn't it, Nancy? Would you like a go? Yes? Why don't you go into the room, then? What's that, Nancy? There's no handle on the door on that side. Oh, look. I've just noticed. This isn't the zoo of the future at all. It's the prison of the future. Silly me. Not to worry. I expect you can buy your way back out again. What's that? You don't have any more money? And here comes your cellmate. She'll keep you company. Her name is Bertha and she's a terrorist slash enemy combatant, and during the day she makes fridges by bending metal with her bare hands, which helps keep the economy afloat. Never mind. I expect we'll be able to get you out of here just as soon as our government has got a sensible extradition treaty with the US. Night-night, Nancy. Night-night. 
Sir, I've some bad news, sir. What is it, Professor? We've just heard. They've dropped the atom bomb, sir. What? I know, sir. And with a bomb that small, it's going to take hours to find it again. Welcome to this week's episode of Star Patrol, Another Doomed Planet. And here's your commander, Captain Buzz Corey. Hello, everyone, and welcome aboard the Terra 5 spaceship. We had a bit of an accident with the uh, Terra 4, but this week we're back, and we've got a mission to save some miners trapped on Saturn's third moon. I have here the serum that will cure the horrible disease they have contracted, Captain. Excellent, Dr. Carlyle. Although, I must admit, I'm a little sceptical about the efficacy of a drug we've developed in the absence of any sample of the original bacteria. Perhaps you could suspend disbelief for a few minutes. No problem, Captain. How long do we have? Just under 15 minutes, Doctor. Ah. Problem? Well, Saturn is about 1.4 billion kilometres from the Sun, while the Earth is approximately 150 million kilometres from the Sun. For God's sake. Which means that, even if they were aligned and travelling at the speed of light, which we all know is the speed limit of the universe... Yes, yes. I make it 108 minutes to get there. So you're suggesting we don't even bother to set off? That's correct, sir. Well, thank you, Carlisle. You've saved us a trip. Join us next week for another scientifically correct, if rather dull, episode of Star Patrol. Do you enjoy whimsy cartoons? Do you enjoy your children getting so overexcited that they're sick on the sofa? Do you? Do you? Yes. Oh, yes. Then you'll love the new Whimsyland. Experience the magic of whimsy cartoons in the all-new Whimsyland. So much whimsy, we've had to split it into pieces. Visit Wild Westland. Experience firsthand the lawless Wild West. Hand over all your money. I'm afraid I spent it all on some novelty vermin ears. Ah, I've been hit! They got Dad! Oh no, and there are no adequate medical facilities in the late 19th century. Visit Tomorrowland. Wow, I've never seen prices this high. Experience the effects of 50 years of financial mismanagement in the fast food restaurants and merciless commercial shopping centres of Tomorrowland. I say, could you look at my shoulder? That'll be £12,000, please. And Fantasyland, where all your wishes could come true. I wish this theme park was as good as it looked in the adverts. And cheaper, too. So, visit Whimsyland today, because you know, if you don't, your children will never forgive you, and you'll probably end up in a home. Next, the Archers. This week, Tom confronts Brian with the evidence that his new construction is actually a high-frequency transmission array designed to modify weather patterns over Brookfield Farm. Meanwhile, Neil exposes Mike as a brainwashed CIA double agent bent on assassinating his pigs. Matt Crawford's real intentions for Grey Gables become apparent when Lillian finds his secret plans left on a table in the bowl. Clive reveals that his last prison term was actually a period spent in training with the Mossad, and Jill stages a train crash to conceal her involvement in the Perfumo affair, recorded in stereo. How's it going with Moon Rocket, Joe? Not so good, Dr. Cargraves. Paul Fleming's gone off with food poisoning and both Harrison and Flathers have got black lung. Oh, damn it. I should have listened when he warned me about having a coal-fired spaceship. Have you got over the heartbreak of our Emily leaving for the south? Because as a simple rocket scientist, you weren't good enough for her. Aye, although you might find a bit of bitter resentment of all things southern in my subtext. Oh, don't worry, son. This is Yorkshire. We don't do subtext. Look, here she comes now. Emily! What are you doing back here? Cargraves, Joe, bad news. Emily, you tell them. It's the council. They've taken out a court order to prevent us from lifting off. The lawman's on his way now to deliver it. Is he on train or by car? Train. Then there's still a chance. Emily, get on the telephone and get Arkwright to stall the train due to signalling problem. Cargraves, you get everyone together. Yeah, but Barnes is no pilot. Both engineers are off sick. Joe. How do you feel about being promoted to engineer and going to moon? Oh, Joe, a proper engineer. 
Now that wouldn't be beneath me, socio-economically speaking. Will we be back after midnight? I should say so. Oh, then I'll get permission from me ma'am. That's the spirit. But what about Palfreman's planned experiments at a behaviour of battering zero-g? I don't intend to fritter away this opportunity, Cargraves. Put a space suit on. It's time to put your fancy space theories into practice. Oh, dear. And Emily, I know we haven't always seen eye to eye, but if I don't make it back, will you look after me whip it for me? Do you think he'll be all right with my rabbit? I expect so, yes. He likes a run. Now, come on, lads. To the rocket. Welcome to this week's episode of Star Patrol, The Lost Package. And here's your commander, Captain Buzz Corey. Hello, everyone, and welcome aboard the Terra 5 spaceship. This new ship of ours is equipped with some of the most scientifically advanced equipment the world has ever seen. Hello, Captain. Oh, hello, Dr. Carlyle. I was just saying to the viewers how... uh, It doesn't matter. But you're just in time to watch us pull a canister that's been drifting in space for hundreds of years into the hold. I see. And how will you be doing that, Captain? Uh... Tractor beam? Sorry? Tractor beam. A a tractor beam. And how does that work exactly? Don't know. Perhaps some kind of vessel beam? Yes, one of those. But that only works at the microscopic level, so no good for a canister. How about magnetism? Might be. But it's impossible to focus magnetism. And by my calculations... Yes? A magnetic field strong enough to pull in that canister will cause the superstructure of the ship to collapse. Damn you, Carlyle! Join us next week for another new episode and a new spaceship in Star Patrol. Richard Manger writes to say he's thinking of cancelling his subscription to the Journal of Improbable Events. It seems it doesn't get delivered very often. A recent study indicates a growing number of young women in the UK are turning to religion. At a time of increased unemployment, the survey team were amazed at the number of times the young women, when asked their occupation, replied, none. Tiverton and a piece of medieval sheet music has been stolen from a touring exhibition in St. Peter's Church. The theft is thought to be the work of lutists. Hello, my name is Bernard Tussle, and I am the chairman of the British Psychic Association. Now I know what you're thinking. No, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that it's all crackers. No, you're confusing us with the British Biscuits for Cheese Association. I come to you in your homes today with a serious message. I have been contacted by creatures from Venus. These highly evolved and civilized creatures from our neighboring planet have a message for all of mankind. Literally translated, it is, keep the noise down. Now, Venus has been in contact with me almost every night, and I am frequently disturbed by a stirring beneath the bedclothes. My wife has been quite traumatized. They have asked the British Psychic Association to be the vehicle for their message. I can see you think I'm pulling your leg. No, you're thinking of the British Chiropractic Association. Believe me, I've drawn up the horoscope several times and no one was more surprised than I was when it came out as us. Now, I'm not going to ask you to just trust me without any evidence. You're uh, thinking of the British Conservative Association. 
Now I want you to go. Go and find an old watch or, or clock, one that no longer works. And I want you to, to bring it closer to the radio, closer, closer. And now wind it up. And some of you, some of you will find that those clocks start ticking. Now you don't think that someone with that sort of power would just sit around bending spoons, do you? Although I do bend spoons too, if there are any doubters amongst you. So I'm, I'm asking you to bring your checkbooks and make out checks to the British Psychic Association to support us in distributing the message of peace and love from Venus. You will give generously, won't you? Won't you? And just to prove I'm really psychic, I knew you were going to say yes. New Quantonite, the miracle remedy, at least as effective as the placebo in most clinical trials. Eight out of ten of our employees, when threatened with redundancy, said it was superior to our competitor products. Filled with naturally occurring toxins, radiation, and a healthy dose of spring water. My wife took a pill once a day for six years for her laryngitis. She never said a bad word about it. I had a cold and I took Quantonite, and within eight months I was feeling much better. Now with 20% less arsenic, our patron Richard Keats, a doctor of pseudoscience at the University of Mail Order, Colorado, recently said about an unrelated product, Well, I can't see it can do any harm. Available from all good chemists. Hello, do you have any Quantonite? No, I'm sorry, this is an evidence-based pharmaceutical. You'll be wanting the myth-based pharmaceutical next door. Now, where was I? Ah yes, your order, Mr Smith. When would you like to pick it up? Can I just take it now? No, it's collection only, Mr Smith. But I can collect it now. I'm afraid it won't be available until six minutes past six. I see. Uh, where do I collect it from? It's hard to say. You don't know? No, it's 606 at flat 6 at 66 Sixsmith Street. Just go to the door and ring the bell marked 5, ring it four times, and then ask for number 73. I, I don't think I'll remember that. It's easy to remember. The bell is one less than the number of the flat, which is one half of the street number. And if you have the flat, you get the second part of the number you ask for. The first part of which is one more than the first number you ask for. Can you write that down? Where's the fun in that, Mr Smith? It's easy to remember. You go out of here, and you can either go right or left. If you go right, then you go left. But if you go left, you go right, and then you go left. If you went left after going right, you go left, and the door is right in front of you. Or right behind you. Do you deliver? Oh yes, Mr Smith. You just call this number. It's 03226855. It's easy to remember because the first part is the code and the second part is the number. And when will it be with me, the package? It'll be there on the 31st of April. April only has 30 days. No, it's 31. It's easy to remember because it's 30 days, have September, March and can't remember. All the rest have 18 days except for February, which doesn't have any at all. That'll be fine. No problem, Mr Smith. You can find your way out. It's easy to remember because it's the door that says no exit. Goodbye. Well, here we are, lads. It's the moon. The moment we've all been waiting for. It's just as beautiful as you always said it'd be. Just like those huge, colourless slag heaps around in our village. Oh, let's get out there and claim it in the name of Yorkshire. Lads, lads, lads. There's just one thing before you go out there. We used a lot more coal than I calculated getting out here. It turns out my sums were out. You don't mean... Yes. One of us will have to stay behind. Now, before you say anything, it's not as bad as all that. Uh, you live in Yorkshire, so you'll be used to the cold winters and long walks to the shops. I'll stay behind. 
Look, I'm nearly 40, so near the end of my life expectancy for a Yorkshireman. No, Mr Cargraves, let me stay. Don't be silly, Joe. You have another ten years out of you, at least. And at last, Emily will need something other than a rabbit for company on long winter evenings. That's enough. I have black lung and only have six months left to live. You're both going back. Oh, what are you saying, Barnes? I won't be going back with you, lads. All I ask is to be able to use the radio as you depart. Now, I'll just go outside. What about your spacesuit? Don't be daft. Do I look like the kind of man who needs a spacesuit? People of Earth. The lads will tell you that getting to moon meant more to me than out else in world. But they'd be wrong. Truth is, I thought it mattered. I thought that the moon mattered. But does it, bollocks? Not compared to how people matter. Because over the last ten years, our communities, our homes, our lives have all been destroyed. A fortnight ago, this lot's space programme were closed down. Another thousand men lost their jobs. And that's not all they lost. They lost the will to fight. And that's what this spacecraft represents. Daft, though it may be. Impossible, it may be. But it's a sign of hope. And God knows we all need hope. These men aren't heroes. They're not pioneers. They're just ordinary, common or garden, honest, decent human beings. Oh aye, they can knock out a bloody good rocket. But what does that matter, eh? So when your local council tries to close down your illicit moon rocket project or local library and return for collecting the bins every week and your only hope is an ageing band leader, a physicist and a student from a fictitious university, remember that we are not alone. We Are Not Alone was brought to you by Timothy Hounsom, Alice Cabin, Lisa Walsh, John Thrower and the winner of Northampton's Yorkshireman of the Year competition, Matthew Nation. It was written by John Thrower with contributions from the cast and edited by Nathan Rowe. Music and the We Are Not Alone theme is by Andrew Webb and Grave Blow, Merry Go and The Path of the Goblin King are by Kevin MacLeod. For a full set of credits and attributions, visit our webpage at www.wearenotalone.co.uk. We are also available for virtual stalking via Facebook and Twitter. Welcome to this week's episode of Star Patrol, The End of Time. And here's your commander, Captain Buzz Corey. Hello everyone, and welcome aboard the Terra 506 spaceship. Due to an interstellar accident, the starship Terra 6 has been flung through a wormhole in space, and we're now at the end of the universe itself. Is that, uh, is that all okay with you, Dr. Carlyle? Yes. All fine so far. Excellent. So, all we have to do now is find a way back home. Uh... What? I'm afraid there's no known scientific way to travel back through time. Oh. So that's it, then? I'm afraid so, sir. We'll just have to drift here until we all die. Thank you, Dr. Carlyle. You're a great comfort to me. So, uh... Anyone know any card games? <laughs>